It's finally arrived at last, the hour you've been waiting for, for hours and hours. KSKQ presents Dream Infringement Monster Truck Tour. One day, one show, Monday, 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 August 17 on 89.5 FM on that radio dial. KSKQ, home of the Siskiyous, Siskiyou Avenue, Siskiyou Boulevard, and the famed Siskiyou Loop the Loop Centrifugal Railway presents Monster Trucks featuring El Scorcho, the pain purveyor, and the legendary Catnado of Chaos. Stay tuned for all the metal twisting, starboard listing, tight fisting action ever shown on the radio. Turn those speakers up and get ready to sit on the edge of your seats for the next 60 minutes of speaker blasting, high fidelity, eardrum crashing action. It's all coming up as we catch this amazing episode of Dream Infringement. Many thanks to my dad, Steve. I know him as dad. Um, It'd probably be weird if you called him dad, but he might go with it. He's a pretty easygoing guy. Anyway, thank you, dad, for that really awesome intro. It made me LOL out loud. It was great. (laughs) So, yes, you are listening to Dream Infringement. We've got... Bobby, myself, Emily, and Jennifer coming up with some great stories and songs headed your way. Uh, We pick a weekly theme and then we come up with things to say about that theme. And we come up with songs that we like or go with it. So that's what's coming at you tonight. So tonight our theme is living in the shadows times when we've been overshadowed by someone or something, just stories about other people being overshadowed. So let's kick things off with a song. That song is Shadow People by Dr. Dog. The rain is falling, it's after dark, the streets are swimming with the sharks. The story starts at my 8th grade graduation party. It was when I first met the new girl. I had horrific self-esteem. I was bullied at school. I had a father that would get on these tirades that attractive people have it all. They have every opportunity, but not us. So I was as good as labeled as the unattractive girl who good things couldn't happen to, kind of from the start. Within our family friends, there were about seven boys, my age-ish, give or take a few years. They were mostly the outdoors type. They liked hunting and fishing, camping, roughhousing, and gross boy things. I was a girl who was wrapped up in books, and I thought they didn't pay any attention to me because I was ugly. The rumored new girl was to be moving in, and on my eighth grade graduation party, she made her debut. There was a guy that was out of town that I had a humongous crush on, who actually surprisingly was kind of showing a little bit of return interest. As I went to walk to the baseball field by myself, he ran to catch up with me and talk to me, and I was basking in the personal attention. When we got there, we were introduced to the new girl, and I saw the look in his eyes. 
and I knew it was over for me. And it was. He pursued her, eventually declaring his affections, which she declined. She liked somebody else. It burst my bubble because I realized that these boys that were so indifferent actually could be charming. They could be conversational and friendly. They just weren't to me. And now I knew. And everywhere I went, everything was all about her. All the time. Shortly thereafter, when I was going through my first episode of severe clinical depression, my mom had just gotten married. I wasn't weathering anything well. But my parents would invite her on our family trips. As a buffer? They thought she was nicer to deal with, and I guess softened the effect of my black cloud personality. And I will say that I wholeheartedly did try to get to know her, to find common ground, to become friends, but it just wasn't, we weren't going to ever click as people. She had a lot of her own black clouds. She was just more secretive about it and perhaps a bit duplicitous. And I will tell you, it is a red flag when a girl says she doesn't have many female friends. She just likes hanging out with guys because it's less drama. I've seen this scenario played out over and over again. And when a woman says that now, I'm just like, oh, you're one of them. Eventually we moved and I was able to escape that situation where it was just kind of bottlenecked. People came to the area and there was two girls. That's all you had. Now I was in a place with lots of girls, with lots of variety. And lots of boys, with lots of variety. <laughs> so finally, things were a little bit more evenly matched. But I find myself in the situation sometimes where I'll have just a truly lovely friend, inside and out. They are absolutely amazing, and I feel like a bundle of insecurities, mental illness, and cellulite. I'm like, what do I even have to offer? You know, if I was given a choice, I would be their friend over my friend. It's hard for me not to enter situations almost like pre-defeated, but for every human being, there will always be someone that's better looking, more charismatic, or more accomplished in some way. But it's hard to avoid the shame spiral. Once you start noticing that you seem to be left out or not the preferred person, it's hard to stop noticing it. And you begin to become very hypersensitive that you're the second best friend and that all your relationships maybe are on a precarious balance that at the other end there is a baseball field with a new girl that will make it feel like everyone around you has deserted you for me those fears run deep so I don't have perfect advice because I struggle with it except I know that while I have some lovely amazing friends that never stopped me from appreciating other people, from making new friends, from seeing the attributes and value of other people. And so I have to give others credit that once the newness and novelty of someone new settles down, they'll have enough room to love me and all my lovely friends. I know Bobby, Emily, and I have been friends for a long time, and we make new friends. We meet cool new people, but we're always able to be secure in our friendships with each other because we have that history and have that loyalty. 
it's meant a lot to me over the years that yeah they can meet awesome people but it doesn't make me somehow less awesome <laughs> just more people to enrich our lives and so shout out to you guys if you're really someone's person you'll always be their person fear not if their loyalty is that fickle well maybe you're better off I went to play this song and I realized that it now makes me sorry incredibly sad um, the lead singer just passed away uh, from COVID related illness um, Adam Schlesinger I felt like I spent a lot of my teenage years growing up with them and they worked on a lot of uh, shows and things that I liked and <laughs> yeah it just kind of hit anyway this is Fountains of Wayne with Joe Ray Emily here I just want to start with a trigger warning. I will be mentioning suicide at the end of my piece. I promise not to dwell on it. Um, if that is something that you do not want to hear, then you can feel free to turn this off for the next couple minutes. All right, on with my story. I'm sure that you all know who Ernest Hemingway is which is precisely why we are not going to talk about him. No, instead we will talk about his younger brother by 16 years, Lester Hemingway. Lester was the youngest of the four Hemingway children. Lester was a writer, and although he lived in the shadow of his brother his whole life, there's nothing to indicate that he resented his place in the shadows. In fact, it seems that Lester looked up to his brother, idolized him even, and went on to write a critically acclaimed biography of his big brother called My Brother, Ernest Hemingway. In 1966, Lester found his own micronation, which he named the Republic of New Atlantis. It was an eight foot by 30 foot barge, 12 nautical miles off the coast of Jamaica. Why did he do this? Well, he's quoted as saying, there's no law that says you can't start your own country, which I guess is true. <laughs> I didn't, I haven't actually looked that up, so I'm not sure what current laws are, but it sounds legit. There was a little bit more to his reasoning behind his own micronation. It was supposed to house the headquarters of the International Marine Research Society that was founded by Hemingway. The society's mission was to further marine research, raise funds for the research, and to build a scientifically valuable aquarium in Jamaica. He also believed that by creating this new country, he could help protect Jamaican fishing, and this was another one of his goals. So it was, um, like I mentioned earlier, it was 8 by 30 feet. He declared it New Atlantis on July 4th, 1964. And the country was constructed of iron pipes, stones, bamboo, and stainless steel. It was basically a giant bamboo raft anchored by a railroad axle and an old Ford engine block. Six, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to know the mile, like the land miles. It was six miles off the coast of Jamaica. 
So there were six original inhabitants of New Atlantis. This included Lester, his wife Doris, their daughters Anne and Hillary, who were seven and three years old at the time, Washington International Public Relations Specialist Edward K. Moss, and his assistant Julia Cellini. Lester was elected the first president in 1965. Which I also find funny because if he was elected, then that implies there was some kind of a vote. And I wonder if there was any drama surrounding who would be elected the president of New Atlantis. Nothing indicates that there was. There probably wasn't. I just like to imagine scenarios like that in my head. Lester also created his own flag for New Atlantis. He had New Atlantis postage stamps and New Atlantis currency. In order to fund the construction of New Atlantis, Hemingway used all the proceeds from his biography, My Brother Ernest Hemingway, and though the island was quite small, he had plans to expand it in the future. Unfortunately, it never came to be because the tiny island nation of New Atlantis was destroyed in a storm only a few years after its creation. Later in his life, Lester was diagnosed with a severe case of type 2 diabetes, and after suffering through five operations and the possibility of losing his legs, he decided to end his life in 1982 at the age of 67. So in his family, this was not uncommon as his brother Ernest also ended his life in 1961 at the age of 62. Um, his sister and grandniece died at their own hands and also their his father, Dr. Clarence Edmonds Hemingway. So it's kind of a tragic ending to all of their lives. I think it was interesting to find out that Lester Hemingway, although we might perceive it as living in the shadows, and that's kind of what I envisioned when I set out to learn a little bit more about him, it didn't seem like he viewed it that way. Um, everything that I read just talked about how much he really looked up to his brother and how even though there was a 16-year age gap between them, they both seemed to really enjoy each other's company and they shared, you know, so many common interests as far as like being outdoorsy and writing and they were both in major wars and that had a major impact on both of their lives. So I think my takeaway is that being in the shadows sometimes is perspective. Sometimes our own insecurities can make us feel inferior or overshadowed by other people who may appear to have better qualities than us. But I, Emily, am here to tell you that each and every one of you is special and unique in your own way, and there might be someone else who feels overshadowed by you. Mm -hmm. Ever thought about that? So anyway, it was nice to see that while Ernest Hemingway um, is so famous for his works and how much he loved cats, Lester Hemingway, he did a lot of crazy cool stuff too, and he didn't seem to let his, his brother's found fame to overshadow him in his personal life. So the song that I am going to play is called Atlantis, and it's by Donovan. Way down in the 
I was racking my brain trying to figure out what I could create for the theme overshadowed. And I started kind of going through people that tend to get overshadowed. They tend to be kind of quiet, reserved, a little bit to themselves. And there was a person that came to mind as I was thinking through all of this. And that person is our inner person. This is the person that we, for a lot of us, decide not to introduce to society. This is someone that we would rather not introduce to our close friends, to those who respect us, because frankly, it's embarrassing. They're a quiet, continuous voice that's always speaking. And I think we need to take some time to just listen to it. So without further ado, I thought that I would let you eavesdrop on a little conversation with that small voice. What's your problem, man? What do you mean, what's my problem? Why did you leave the party? I don't know. I just, I don't really think these people are our kind of people. How are they not our kind of people? They're cool. They are our age. They like the same kinds of things that we like. They were really digging my stories. No, they weren't. I saw like a glazed look. A glazed look? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> you don't know how to have fun. You're so lame. Every time we... We get a good groove going when it comes to parties. You just like, I don't know, you chicken out. You're such a nerd. Don't talk to me like that. What? What do you mean, don't talk to you like that? Don't tell the truth? You know that I have a hard time socially. I don't think that it's actually a social problem. I just think you get too much inside your own head. And what's more frustrating to me is that you drag me down with you every single time. You know what, you're so full of yourself. Oh, by full of myself, do you mean I have confidence? We need to stop doing this. This is not productive. So what do you, what do you expect us to do? Like, what are we supposed to do now? We've left the party, everyone's probably wondering where we are. I say that we just make up a story and say that we have to go and pick up our mom at a doctor's appointment. A doctor's appointment at 8 p.m.? Yeah, or something like that. I don't, I don't, I mean, you're good at thinking on your feet. Or, or how about this? Just say you have like some kind of food poisoning. I mean, that guacamole didn't look good. It, it, it couldn't have sat well in anyone's stomach. And I'm telling you, this is not the way to go. This is not going to end well. We need to pull up our big boy pants and go back into that party, put on the face that we always put on when we go into groups, and, and just like own it. Okay, if we're going to go into that party and own it, I need your help. What do you need me to do? I need you to talk me through this, like ground me, because I am feeling extremely overwhelmed by the amount of people that are there and the questions that they're asking and making sure that I'm answering in just the right way. They don't care, man. I told you, they don't care how you answer. They're not really even listening to what you're saying. It's more of the energy that you're putting out there. No, they're listening. I can tell. 
and they're judging. Okay, I'll help you. Do you remember when you were afraid to start middle school? Yeah, I, re I, I do. I remember the kids looked so much older than me. You were worried that, that you would look too small to the other kids, that you would look like a baby. And do you remember who you saw the very first day of middle school? Yeah, I saw Cooper. He was our friend from fifth grade, remember? He was in the other class, and during recess, we would play together. And he was really interesting and kind of eccentric, but you felt like he was your kind of people. And do you remember what he did when you walked into the lunchroom? Yeah, yeah, I remember he motioned for me to come over, and when I walked over to the table that he was sitting at, there was a group of kids that were just like you. They were different, but... They were just like us. And you guys played D&D, &D and you shared your favorite Simpsons quotes. You guys were all cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We were. We, we were all similar, and we all kind of banded together, and we all ended up having the same, the same worries in starting middle school. I remember... I felt like this camaraderie with them, and I felt like I belonged. Yeah, you did belong. And why do you think they wanted you to sit with them? Because they liked me for me. Yeah, they did. It's easy to forget that that still happens. You know, dude, you're an adult, and you have rent, and a car payment, and car insurance, and you can grow a mustache. And those are all really great things, but you have to remember that those same dynamics that existed when you were in middle school, they exist now. And just as worried as you are about the way that people think about you, the same thing's happening on the other side of the fence. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'm not saying we have to go back in there. But if we do, what you're going to encounter is a group of people that are struggling with the same social dilemmas that you have and always have. It's comforting to know that everybody else is just as uncomfortable as I am. It is, isn't it? And you know what? I promise I'm going to take my time. I'm going to spend a significant amount of time getting to know one person. Oh, thank you so much. I need you to slow down. I will. I'll slow down. So let's get back in there, okay? Hey, look, they're cutting the cake. I bet we can slip in and no one would even know we were gone. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, man. Yeah? Thanks again. Oh, yeah, man. Anytime. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, so the song that I chose to go with this piece is by a band called Dawes, and the song is A Little Bit of Everything. Enjoy. Back against the San Francisco traffic On the bridge's side that faces towards the jail Hey, Infringers, it's Jennifer. When I was a child, I loved the Serendipity book series. 
Um, they were written by Stephen Cosgrove, illustrated by Robin James, and they told these fantastical, beautifully illustrated stories that always had like a little bit of a moral at the end on like how to be a better person. And this one was all about feeling insecure if your friend is a beautiful unicorn and you are a short, dumpy sheep. So <laughs> I'm going to read you the story of Morgan and you. For the sake of time, this has been a little bit abridged. Gonna try and get my children's book voice going. Far beyond the horizon lies an emerald island, an island where all things magical and real live together in perfect harmony. It is in this place of myth and magic that the most magnificent unicorn that was ever born lives and his mighty horn is twisted in the most gentle fashion, like taffy that has been turned and turned. As he tosses his head, the horn points, always, to the top of Magical Morgan Mountain, the exact spot where, many years before, Morgan was given his magical horn when by chance he happened to be touched by the morning star. Morgan's best friend in the whole world was a short, dumpy sheep, simply called you. His fur was dirty white and curlier than the tail of a newborn pig. There was nothing magical about you except for the fact that he loved Morgan and had a heart cast of the purest gold. Day in and day out, Morgan and you would romp in the meadow and the forest of the magical island. All would have been happiness and light, were it not for the little sheep, feeling that he wasn't Morgan's equal. Morgan is so beautiful, he would say to himself. I wonder what he sees in ugly me. What I need, you said, is something to make me really special. So he thought and he thought, and he finally knew what it was, a magnificent horn just like Morgan's. So he set about to make one. With twigs and leaves and a little bit of mud, he fashioned a horn and stuck it on his head. Then, oh so very carefully, he walked back to where Morgan was sleeping. Ahem, he said to the sleeping unicorn, do you notice anything different about me? Morgan woke with a start and saw his favorite friend standing before him with a glop of mud shaped kind of like a horn stuck on his head. He couldn't help himself and burst out laughing. You began to cry large tears, causing some of the mud to drip down his cheeks. Well, you don't have to laugh, he cried. I was only trying to look like you. But why would you want to look like me, asked Morgan. So you told Morgan how he really felt about himself. Morgan listened, and when Yu's tears had dried, he said, I like you just the way you are, but if having a horn would make you feel better about yourself, I'll take you to Magical Morgan Mountain. There we will see if you can be touched by the morning star. They traveled the whole day, across the meadow and down the narrow, twisting path that led through the forest. Finally, as the sun was setting, they arrived at the base of Morgan Mountain. Surely we will rest the night here, puffed the tired little sheep. No, said Morgan, we must be at the very top of the mountain before dawn, or all is lost. In the evening twilight, as the stars glittered about them, 
At long last, with dawn fast approaching, they reached the summit. What will happen at dawn? you asked nervously. A bright star will lift from the edge of the earth, said Morgan, and if we're really lucky, it will come near us, and you will have your horn. With the darkness of night settled around them, they sat down and waited for the dawn. Slowly, the sky began to lighten. Just as Morgan had said, a large star lifted itself from the edge of the earth and began to rise. Suddenly it stopped in mid-flight and a loud, booming voice echoed out into the night. Little you, we know that more than anything else in the world, you wish to have the magical horn of a unicorn. But there is to be only one unicorn on the island at any one time. The only way for you to have your wish is for Morgan to give you his horn. But in doing so, he can never live on the island again and must come with us and ride the morning star forever. Morgan looked down at his little friend and said, If you wish my horn, I will gladly give it to you. Without thinking at all, you shouted, Yes, yes, I want that horn more than anything. Before little you could blink an eye, Morgan had disappeared, and the beautiful horn was on you's head. You was so excited about receiving the horn that he shook his head from side to side, but he suddenly realized his newfound gift was not without its price. His friend was gone forever. The End I hope you enjoyed this story about jealously coveting things your friends have till you wish them out of existence. I'm kidding, there's more to it. Back to the story. Tears began to cascade like falling rain as he looked in the sky. No, he shouted. Without my friend Morgan, I'm nothing. Yu's cries were to no avail as dawn brought the crystal sunlight and the morning star disappeared. Throughout the day he stood on the mountain, weighed down by the guilt of having the horn of the unicorn. He cried all through the night, wishing he had never wanted to be other than he was. In that brief moment of silence before dawn, he wished with all his might for the morning star to appear. He wished and wished, and suddenly, just as it had the day before, the star appeared. Please, please, he shouted to the star, I must have my friend back, for without him I will surely die of loneliness. For a moment, it looked as though the star was not going to come near. But then it slowed in the sky, and you once again heard the voice. You wish to give up your horn so soon, little one, it asked. But you wanted to wear the horn to be special. No, said the small sheep. The love I feel for my friend is more than enough to make me special. The star paused as if deep in thought, and then said, Your wish shall be granted, but the horn must be given back to Morgan, for he must always be a unicorn. And so it was done. With that, the star disappeared. From that day on, and until forever, Morgan and you played in the meadow and fields on the Emerald Island. In those rare times when he didn't feel special, you would look up at his friend Morgan, and quite magically, a small crystal horn would appear on his head, built entirely from love. When you look with envy on friends that you have found, think of the horn of Morgan and the love of you abound. 
the end for real this time. I hope you enjoyed that Storgan of Storgan story of Morgan and You by Robin James and Stephen Cosgrove from the Serendipity Children's Book Series. The song that I've chosen to play is an older one for me, um, but it's by Remy Zero and it's called Fair. Emily, I have to break you, break some bad news to you. Oh no. What is it? The show has come to an end. No, why? Why, Bobby? Why? You have to you have to like dig a little bit deeper. Why, Bobby? Why? Too deep. That's too deep. But I just want to say that we're really grateful for the time that you all took to spend with dream infringement to listen to our crazy thoughts and harebrained schemes. <laughs> And I can promise you this. Next week, we'll have a brand new batch of crazy thoughts and harebrained schemes. Totally. Totally. We'll be cooking up up that batch through the week. Yes. But in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to play a song. It's a song by Pearl Jam. It's called Elderly Woman Behind the Counter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good song. It's a throwback. Do you remember remember the 90s? Ugh. Oh, boy. It's sad that the 90s are throwbacks now. Yeah. Hmm. This is like some, some hard rock. Well, thank you, listeners, specifically Miriam mm-hmm. and Scott. Yes. You know who you are. <laughs> and also thank you, Connie, for being such a gem and uploading our show every week for us while we do this remotely. Yes. Thank you to my father, Steve who made that hilarious intro for us. Yeah, and thank you to all of you who stand in the shadows, yes. afraid to be seen, or possibly decided deciding on your own not to be seen. Yeah. You just keep doing you. Yeah, we see you. We do. We do. We're w- winking. Whether you like it or not, we see you. We're tipping our hats to you. Yes, and bowing. Bowing. And curtsying. <laughs> So we're going to curtsy our way right out of this show. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you guys have a good evening. Just know that I love you. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. I seem to recognize.